The right habits put you in control of your health, relationships, mindset, and more. But most people lack the tools to stick with those habits long enough to see results. That is about to change. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with your host, habit change specialist and speaker, Stephen Box. Join us each week as experts share their stories, experiences, and insights and give you the tools to build unshakable habits so you can live life on your terms. It's time to take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Hey, welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. My name is Stephen Box. I am your host, and I am joined today by Alan Cote. So, Alan, thanks for joining me today, man. Uh, it's great to be here, Stephen. I'm looking forward to this. So you have this incredible story about going from stuttering to the stage. So you you went one of the most un guessable routes that anybody could go, right? Like here you have this issue with speech and now you are a professional speaker. So I, I can't wait to hear how you went through this journey and this progression. Before we jump into that, I do want to take a second to remind our audience of the unshakable framework that we look for in these stories. Every time that someone develops an unshakable habit, every time that they make a major change in their life, you're going to see a few things. Number one, at some point, they get a vision. They set an objective. Once they set that objective, they have to acquire certain skills in order to do that. So be on the lookout in the story for those skills that Alan had to develop. And then finally, we're going to look at the behaviors and the actions that Alan had to take with consistency. The consistency part is important there in order to develop those skills so he can make those behavior changes. And then that will tell us how he ultimately went from stuttering to the stage. So, Alan, start us off by telling us a little bit about what it was like growing up as a stutter. Well, I would often start by introducing myself like this. name is Alan Cody. Took a long time to say, and it usually made people pretty uncomfortable. And, you know, most people do start their language development at four and five years old with a basic stutter. That's kind of a normal thing. I just never outgrew it. And so growing up with that stutter, I was made fun of, I was picked on, I was ridiculed. What are you, stupid? I always had good grades, but, you know, I couldn't talk to anybody. Um, I got into music in about sixth grade and started playing trumpet. And it began to excel pretty quickly with trumpet. We talk about unshakable habits. It's constant practice. It's daily hours and hours of practice to get better. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, my first story of my trumpet playing was when the trumpet came home I opened the box and my dad grabbed the horn out of the case and he picks up the mouthpiece and puts the horn together and blah, 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 he makes a big sound out of it. Not a good one, but he made a big sound. He passes it to my mom and she, blah, she makes a big sound. She passes it to my little sister and she goes, blah, she makes a big sound. It got to me and it went blah, air. Nothing came out. You know, the irony of that is, is that everybody else was making the big sound except for me. I was supposed to be the one that was supposed to play it. And I practiced a lot. 
I did pretty well. I played Carnegie Hall. You know the old joke, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. And I played Carnegie Hall when I was in high school, and I have two record albums. So I did excel somewhat with that, even though it was a rough start. I think I think of Unshakable Habits, it's that constant follow-through. And that kind of built a whole framework for me, I think, for the rest of my life. Um, as I progressed through high school and college, uh, I got into college, and it was the first one in my family to go to a four-year degree program. And I, um, I looked around and found the only major that did not require foreign language for graduation was engineering. Uh, I couldn't speak English. How was I going to speak a second language? So I became an engineer to avoid foreign language. It's not usually the way most people go to engineering. It's usually a dream or a passion or whatever. But for me, again, I kept practicing and was pretty good at what I did for a job. The problem was that once I got into working in the career world, I couldn't answer telephones, could not present my own plans, couldn't talk at staff meetings. Uh, once I got comfortable with somebody, I could kind of flow through the conversation. But um, to walk into an empty room, like I said, I could play on stage, not a problem. But to talk to somebody was impossible. Um, so I wasn't progressing in the company. And I think that's where the first lesson that you were just talking about, Stephen, really kicked in is that I knew for me to progress in my career, I was going to have to do something. And uh, that's when I found an organization called Toastmasters International. I think you're familiar with that too, right, Stephen? Yeah, I've, I've only been a member for about six years now. Yeah, I've been a member for forever. And um, since about the 90s. But I joined it to begin to practice. This was a great place to practice over and over, to get that stage time, if you will. And um, that was the beginning of the changes that began to happen. So I want to kind of back up for a second because you, you hit on a couple of things. So one, you talked about the story with, with the trumpet and you pointed out something I think people so often overlook. You were terrible when you started. <laughs> I was the only one that didn't make the sound. You, you, right. were, you were the worst one in your family, right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. And yet you went on to play Carnegie Hall and you have two albums. That's right. So I just wanted to point that out because I know so many people, they start with this idea that they need to get to a certain level or that they have to be perfect or that they already have to have the skills. And right. here you have this great example of, you know what? Just start. Doesn't even matter if you if you're good or not. Doesn't matter if you're the worst person in your family. Yeah, exactly. And that's, a, I think, a thing for a lot of people is that they don't have that natural innate talent. And so therefore they quit before they really get started. Um, you know, one of the rules about about success is just continuously showing up and putting that effort in. You can do the same day over and over the first day over and over and over and do it for 30 years. You've only got one day experience as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, but you need to continuously progress it and, and to yep. move through. You know, and that took teachers and coaching and practice and hours and hours of practice. Was I consistent with it every day? Probably not. You know, I was a kid, but that was yeah. my job, if you will. And um, I think the same through with my with my speaking patterns as well. Um, I obviously was not a good speaker to start with. And I, I work every day still to try to improve that skill, to try to make it better, to be yeah. more effective. And, and then you, you, you talked about, you know, being in your, in your job and knowing that you're going to have to do more speaking if you wanted to advance. And mm -hmm. so you went out and you joined Toastmasters. So here we are, we're starting to see that first objective, right, of this kind of vague, I want to 
move up in my job, I know that's going to require speaking. You weren't sure. thinking at that time, hey, you know what? I'm going to go start, be the next step in your journey, right? I'm not, no. I'm not there yet. At this point, I just want to get a, a promotion in my job. So your original objective isn't where you ended up, but it ultimately did lead to where you ended up. Sure. And one of the stories you and I were talking about the other day was that I um, looking for other opportunities in, in my career, since they weren't happening as fast as I wanted them in engineering, um, I get into some of those network programs like Amway. And um, it wasn't the only one I did, by the way. But I was at a major convention one time and sitting next to my upline, my, you know, my team lead. And um, this couple got up on the stage and there was, you know, a thousand people plus and uh, they got up and they were helping people develop better, better life, a better lifestyle, you know, not waking up to an alarm clock and all the great things that you hear and all these things, all the things that draw you into those kinds of programs. And I leaned over to him and I said, how do I get to do that? You know, I liked helping people. Engineering is building roads and highways and things that make people safe. And so I want to do something like that. He says, oh, you have to sell a lot of product. It's a lot of shampoo to get up there to, on that stage. And uh, I kind of revamped that and said, yeah, that's not the way I'm going. I'm going to find a different route for that. So I, I took a different path to get there. Um, I never did make it very far in the Amway organizations, but um, I probably speak as much or more than most people on those platforms do now. So, But, uh, yeah, I found a different avenue, but that was the first time I saw it, like, on stage and saw what that looked like. But the, the real key part, I think, was where you're headed toward is um, when – I was completing my Distinguished Toastmaster, which is all of the levels in the speaking part of Toastmasters and all of the leadership. Because Toast, Toastmasters, by the way, for those of, that may not know that here, is a club-type organization that meets 20, 30 people, and it builds uh, your speaking skills, but it builds communication, uh, listening skills, and leadership skills. And it brings all of those together. And so when you finish through the program and you get to a certain level, you get to the level of called Distinguished Toastmaster, which I am. And I was finishing up my Distinguished Toastmaster part of it, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, um, what else could I do with my life? You know, like, engineering wasn't my first choice. And she said, well, why don't you get engineers to, to speak to the rest of us? I mean, you, you speak to them, they'll get them to speak to us. And I said, that doesn't make sense. I said, that's like seminars and stuff. I can't do that. I stutter. She goes, Alan, we don't hear that. So just like now, most of you aren't hearing me stutter and say, oh, of course he's up on stage. We're going to listen to the way he speaks, you know. And they immediately, immediately put in their mind that, oh, he could never have had that problem. Well, I just demonstrated what it sounded like before. And so there was a big change. But I uh, literally refocused my thought process and quit engineering and became a, a, a a guy that gave daily seminars, 180 cities a year, different city every day on business topics. So changed my entire profession. Lots of practice there. And, and so let's kind of back up a little bit and kind of break down what that actually looked like. So we started with this original objective of I just wanted to learn to speak a little better, get more comfortable so, so that I can get a job promotion. Yeah, so I can answer the yeah. telephone. Yeah. Then it became... Okay, let me now shift after going to Toastmasters, kind of, you know, getting a little bit of practice, maybe getting more comfortable with speaking, 
obviously that helped your stutter just getting that regular practice in because your members were no longer hearing the stutter or they never did hear it. And so obviously that practice helped you. Then you go to this convention and you kind of get this vision and your objective now shifts from just getting a job promotion to, hey, I really have an opportunity here to impact people's lives. Right. But you knew in order to do that, you had to move beyond what your current skills were and you had to develop more skills. You had to develop new skills and take those skills to the next level. Now, you didn't start by saying, oh, I need to wait until I find this perfect vision for my life and then I need to figure out what skills do I need. You started with your original vision. You built the skills for that vision. Then when your vision got bigger, your skills got bigger. So kind of take us through what that process, like how did you go from engineering to speaking in all of these cities? Like what did that process look like? Well, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, Stephen, is that I, I talk about be the next step, you know, that every one of us is on some type of a journey. Uh, where we are is our baseline. And then building new skills in to help us get to the next levels, um, to, to be that next step, not just think about it, but to actually do it. Uh, and that's where I began to say, what skills do I have and what's the baseline and what things do I need to do to get me to that next step? Uh, and I continuously process that in my head which is kind of the reason why I, I use that now as kind of a framework for working with other people. Uh, we each start with a very different set of, of um, capable goals. Um, they're not all perfect, and that's the beauty of it. You know, we, we shouldn't all be perfect. And I think if you talk to pretty much anybody, no matter how successful they are, they're going to admit that there's something that they still see as their flaw. I still think of myself as a stutterer. I know you're not hearing that, but the way I describe it is I have two sets of train tracks of conversation that run through my head all the time. And as I'm approaching a particular word, if I feel that tension or that buildup coming that's going to create the stutter, I jump tracks to the other track and continue on the conversation from there and then bounce back over to the other track as I need to, to avoid sounding like I'm stuttering. But in my head, I'm still working on the process. So you start yeah. with, with, the, with the basics of what you have. And then what do I need to get that that to that next position, that next spot? It's not a lot different than a lot of other things that we talk about, whether it's a job promotion, yep. what skills do I need to get to that next piece? If that's where you're, that's all you're seeing. But I always believe you have to have a vision way beyond that to look much higher. We talk all the time in our other groups, um, uh, Stephen, that with um, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. You know, Mr. Rohn talks about that. And I think that depending on who you circle yourselves with depends on, on where, where your vision is. Yep. We work with Stage Time uh, University, and it's world champions of public speaking and, and people who are professional speakers um, on, on, the, on the international levels. And I don't consider myself being like elbow to elbow with them. But to be in an environment where I'm looking up to them means I can't be what I think I, I, I'm reaching for the stars. I'm looking higher and I'm building my own skills to get down to that higher level. Yeah. Don't know if that completely answered your question, but again, it's really a step at a time. Yeah, I, I think what sometimes people are looking for is like a step-by-step -step instruction manual. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, hey, can you make this easy? Like step one, step two, step three, step four. Like, what do I need to do here? 
Yeah, it's that simple to you. <laughs> yeah, well, one, of, one of my goals with, with doing this podcast that I want people to see is whether it's going from someone who stutters to the stage, if it's like my personal story of losing 80 pounds, changing careers, whatever that transition looks like for you, some of these specifics do change, right? I mean, that's that's what I help people. That's what I coach people on. That's what I help people do is figure out the specifics for their situation. But, but the framework I'm, is the same for everybody. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. That's what, that's what I was holding back on there. Yeah, the framework is the same. And the reality is, is that once you start to look at the skills that you may not have the strength in, and let's face it, none of us are 100% perfect in every single category. I don't care who you look at. Right. And every one of us has opportunity to grow and to, and to move. Even our, even our coaches at uh, stage time all have coaches. They're building their international skills at an even higher level. Um, we have to be striving for something next. Um, and, and so the, the, all it does is give you bigger opportunities. Because yep. once you realize I can do this, that means maybe I could look around at some other areas. I, wasn't, I was just looking here. But what else is available now that I can do this? What else would I need to do to get to another level, another tier? Um, but the, the habits are the same. You know, yeah. you and I were joking this morning. I just moved this week, and I talked to you last week and unplugged all of my systems, packed everything into a box, and I can't find anything. <laughs> and nothing's where it belongs, and my habits are all upside down. And I started, I was telling you, I started again this morning, just making sure go back to the basics and start with the basic habits again and just go through. And for me, that opens every day with a sense of gratitude. I try to open my day with five things I'm grateful for. Yeah, I mean, it's a great gratitude is is a great one to start with. And one thing I think people sometimes don't realize is we think of habits as being good habits, bad habits. Mm. And the fact is habits by definition, are just repeated behaviors that we do oftentimes without being aware that we're doing them. So uh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Awareness. That's what, is that what you're getting at, the awareness? Yeah, because, because here's the thing. Awareness, what, I used to call everything a habit. Like I use, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're building you this eating habit or we're building this exercise habit or whatever. Habits and goals. Those are the two that everyone gets hung up on. Yeah. Right. So what I realized, and actually one of the companies I, I work with, Precision Nutrition, they're one of the largest nutrition education companies in the world. They started changing their language and it made me realize. So I started using the same language they're using, which is we're not doing a habit every day we're doing a practice every day the practice builds the habit the habit is automatic when in order for it to be a habit it has to be something that you just do without thinking about it if you're still thinking about it you're still practicing <laughs> and to well, me i like I that because it takes the pressure 28, off 28 days there's a number of days you can use 28 days to create a habit the 28 days is the practicing part to get yeah. to the point before it comes before it becomes natural. Um, oh, I totally agree, and, and that that's the process. Is that like I was saying? I started this whole conversation with practicing to get to Carnegie Hall. You know, it's daily daily activity, daily routine. You know, a coach that would push me in a different direction or push me a little further along in that in that big book of music I had to practice every day. It wasn't the same the same song every day for all those years. It was something 
gradually increasing. Yeah. But absolutely, it's 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 a, it's a structure, if you will. Uh, and you know, some days we're a little bit better at the structure than others. Depends on our mood, our feeling, our environment. But you yeah. still need to have your eye on the prize, if you will. You got to you got to know where you're looking, and you're going to be able to see toward that. Toward that. Taking point. this, yeah. Sorry about that. T- taking this back to your, you know, stuttering. This is something. That I think people might overlook, so I want to point it out. You had awareness around your stuttering as you started getting, yeah. As you started getting better with it, you started to not just have awareness that you stuttered. You started to have awareness about when you were going to stutter, mm-hmm. and because you had that awareness you then were able to start building up the skills that allowed you to do kind of like what you're describing with this switching tracks thing. Now I'm sure at this point, the switching tracks thing is a habit for you. You don't have to actively think about how to switch tracks. It just mm-hmm. kind of happens for you automatically. True. Yep. You only need the awareness that you're on the verge of stuttering. Correct. So for you, the practice, because you pointed out, I didn't know this until you pointed this out to me the other day. That there is no cure for stuttering. Right. Well, and there's so, so many famous people that we know that stutter. You know, everyone thinks of James Earl Jones, that fantastic voice. He's a huge stutterer. And his contract says that he won't do anything without a, a long time of his practicing the lines before he does it. See, I could sing, but I couldn't talk. Yeah. It's a lot of weird weirdness to it. And it happens yeah. more with men than it does with women. And it typically, it's something I said, we start off with as children and we grow out of. I just never outgrew it until my 30s, if I outgrew it. But I still think it's there. Um, yeah. Now it's part of me and it becomes how I, how I have conversation and how I talk. I always joke, the reason I talk as quickly as I do is I want to get as much out as I can before I stutter. Uh, now, now, that, now, that, now that they've plugged me in, they can't unplug me. Yeah. But, uh, um, it's, it's kind of ironic how this has all come about. But for me, it was also about making other people uncomfortable. And that's a habit. That's a, that's a, that's a core belief, I guess. Not, not a habit, yep. but a core belief that I don't want to see people uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And when I stuttered, I could see people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, the interesting part is that people always ask, how did you overcome the stutter? And as I started to really break it down this past year to come down with the, the key elements that happened, I discovered it was a lot of the same key elements, exactly the same key elements that I teach uh, people who are afraid to speak, which number one fear of the world is public speaking. Number two fear is fear of death. You know, Seinfeld would, would like to say that most people would rather die than give the eulogy at a wake. So, you know, uh, most of us don't want to speak. But the idea is that the same habits that I had to create for my stutter, I realized are the same habits that I help other people create so they can speak more effectively. I would even go so far as to argue that the biggest fear might actually be dying from public speaking. <laughs> you know what? Don't you have to argue with that because I'm not going to disagree with you. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's that's it. Usually, if you break it all down for most people, it's the fear of pain is what comes down to from most yeah. people. And it's it's the painful experience. Like I realized one day I was doing a presentation um, on. And it was, I was talking about jumping from a plane, which I've always been afraid of. 
until it dawned on me as I was writing this particular presentation, I'm not afraid of the height. I love being in tall buildings where it's secure. I love being in a plane looking down. I think it's really cool. Um, and I don't even have a problem with falling. I realized my pain, the, the fear was the very sudden stop at the bottom. Yeah. Boom, the pain that comes with that. And so my fear of falling out of a plane was really not the fear. It was the pain at the bottom when you land without a parachute. Yeah. So we just avoid that part and we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting to me because you were talking about this idea about switching tracks when you're stuttering. So I think a lot of people kind of have this idea that when we have a limitation, whether that is a physical limitation, a mental limitation, a financial limitation, uh, or social limitation, it doesn't matter what kind of limitation it is. A lot of times those completely freeze us. You, you talk about the fear, and I think that when we talk about those limitations, what really holds us back is the fear. Fear so, of failure, fear, fear of pain. Yeah, it's, it's the pain, it's the failure, or sometimes it's not even necessarily a pain as much as, like, say, for example, when you're talking about other people being uncomfortable. It didn't necessarily cause any pain for people to be uncomfortable, but seeing other people uncomfortable made you uncomfortable. And so, which exacerbated the situation. Yeah. Exactly. So, so now it's kind of a combination of, you know, you're a good person. You don't want to see other people uncomfortable, but it's also causing you discomfort because now you're uncomfortable with the fact that they're uncomfortable. So people, a lot of times will use this as an excuse and say, I can't do it because of this. And I, I went back to you pointing out the two track thing because it's not like this is something that you've fixed and that you've moved on with your life. This is something you still deal with every single day. The thing is, you've stopped looking at it as a disability. You've looked at it as something that you just have to do. And, and changing your mindset around that, it's allowed you to be successful. Well, you're the one saying that, so I guess so. <laughs> um, I, I think the tracks still run in my head. I don't know that I jump as, jump the tracks as quickly as I used to, um, but they're still there. It's part of my of my uh, core of, of who I am, and I think that once we begin to realize who we are as individuals, then that frees us to try some other things. It's it's uh, not trusting ourselves or our instincts. Um, Again, a coach, um, accountability partner, uh, all those things are important for you to be able to move up, but you've got to be able to trust yourself to take that step, to be that next step in the process. Yeah. Since, since you bring that up, you know, one thing I think that people so often overlook is the importance of giving yourself some kind of support system. Mm. You talked about Toastmasters. Correct. You know, right now we're both members of Stage Time where we're getting coached by world champions, Hall of Fame speakers, et cetera, et cetera. We have all of these people around us that can teach us things that we don't yet know. They, they've been there. They've done. They've done it. They're doing it in some cases. So 
we're getting this benefit of being around them. There's the accountability factor that we have towards each other as members. So by having that accountability, by having that coaching, by having all the resources, we're able to grow. If we were trying to do this on our own, maybe we get there. Sometimes people do. Sometimes Some people, people do manage to get there on their own. Some people but do, right? It, it's, it's rare. It's really rare. So kind of talk about the importance for you in terms of you overcoming some of these struggles that you had. What role did those organizations and that coaching really play in that for you? Huge. I mean, it, it never would have happened for me without, without, without the accountabilities uh, of those. Uh, we can go back to music and start, you know, we started this conversation. Um, there are child prodigies who sit down and just play or write or sing or whatever. Um, but those are so far and they're so rare. Um, we don't see those all the time. Um, and I always wonder, they're the prodigy at three years old, but what do they look like when they're 15 or 20? Have they, have they continued their growth mm -hmm. pattern or have they just stuck where they were at three years old? Um, so regardless of where you start, what do you take, where, you, where do you take it? And any one of us are robbing ourselves if we don't push whatever limits that we do have. Whether it's a child prodigy needs to be continuously pushing their envelope as well. In my opinion, these groups give us opportunity for us to share with each other and kind of use each other as accountability partners. And not to just mention that we have these great coaches and these great people that we work with. I mean, they're just not famous people. They're they're honestly cool people. They're people yeah. you want to hang out with. Um, you know, um, I've known Darren for 25, 28 years. Uh, you know, and I've known Darren since before he was a world champion of public speaking. And and to know these people and to watch their process and their progress is just as inspiring as to as for me to go through it. To know that I can see them and their progress means that I have hope that I can do some things. So it's good to have the coach. It's good to have the accountability partner. So you're looking at the coach, the, the you know the accountability from from your peers. Um, but it takes some self-discipline, and that's where I think a lot of us lose our, our habits. That's where they become, you know, shakeable habits because we don't trust ourselves. So yeah. all of those things around us gives us some confidence so that we can maintain our own sense of where we're going. Um, Toastmasters, because they have a, a whole pattern of how you work through the process, uh, stage time is we try to – we use the expression, be a sponge. How much can you absorb um, you know, I've only been with Stage Time for a few months, but like I said, I've known Darren and followed his progress with Stage Time University for 20 years. It's exciting to watch the development of his company and his organization and the teams that he's brought in with him, the other people he's brought in with him. And I'm excited to be part of that. I'm excited to be able to work with people like you, Stephen. You and I never would have met if we sure. hadn't had this pandemic that put us into camera mode. This yep. is never going away. Nope. As far as I'm concerned, um, I did, did just hear yesterday that New York City is saying that all classrooms will be live in the fall. There'll be no virtual in the fall. I think virtual is going to be with us forever. And I joke about I did a thing the other day about um, about the Jetsons, 1962, uh, living in this kind of world. Answering the telephone yeah. was a virtual world. First episode, yeah. 1962. Yeah. I think so we're going to win my flying car, though. What's that? Well, it's to win. 
<laughs> although, although, although people have enough trouble driving on the road, I'm not sure how comfortable people being in the air. Yeah, but you, but you know you say that. But one of the things that we're watching right now is how cars can link to the car bumper in front of them, and they just follow the same speed and they go down the road. And that was the same thing they did in the Jetsons. They got into the streamline and they all kind of flew together. So yeah, yeah there's some aspects that are still there. So it's kind of interesting how far we were in 1962 in thinking yeah. of what we we're going to be, you know, 60 years later. Yeah. So now it's it's a, it's all pretty interesting stuff, and, and I think that when I look back at you know your entire story here, what we see is there's several examples, right? It's with the music, with you know when you were stuttering when you were younger, wanting the job promotion, being at that conference, hearing that you know present presentation, and deciding that that's what you wanted to do going out, getting a job, doing speaking. And then we didn't really talk too much about this, but I know from previous conversations, at some point you kind of said, you know, I don't really feel like I'm making the impact I want, that I want to make. I feel like a glorified salesperson because you're working for a company doing these speeches. And that's when you said, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to go, I'm going to do my own speaking. I'm going to teach the things I want to teach and I'm going to go out and have an impact on the world. And I just think, and looking at your entire story, it's repeated process over and over. And it's that framework that we've talked about. You set objectives, you've cast visions out for what you wanted. You looked at where you were and you gave an honest assessment and you developed the skills and you didn't just depend on yourself to develop those skills because a lot of times that's where things are unsustainable is when we depend on ourselves and we're trying to teach ourselves skills that if we were able to teach them to ourselves we would already have them. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's why it's so hard to get yourself to do this successfully and once you develop those skills you took consistent action and you hit on something earlier that's so important for people to understand. We talk about the importance of daily action. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that it is important to take at least some action every day, if for no other reason than the fact that it keeps us consistent. You can right. never fall off if you never fall off, right? But that doesn't mean that you I'll have to right play up. your trumpet for an hour a day. You no, know, sometimes it was 15 minutes and some days it was two hours. Yeah. The other thing that's important with this, and we started touching on this a little bit too, Stephen, is the environment that we're, that we're in. Yep. Uh, you know, um, I had the environment to have my parents encourage me. There was only two choices. You're going to college or you're going in the military. You know, you pick one or the other, but that's where you're going. So I knew I had to go to college, even though no one in my family had ever done it before or had to go in the military, whichever. Yep. Um you know, practicing was an obligation that I had in the family that had to be done. That was that was my job. Yeah. Uh, so the environment we have around us to be a professional speaker with everybody around us going, yeah, <laughs> who do you think you are? You what, Tony Robbins? You know, uh, it's probably not going to happen. They'll get talked out of it. So yeah. having the accountability or to have the structure around you that we started talking about, like Toastmasters or, you know, I. The Toastmaster aspect wasn't for me just to get to attain a distinguished Toastmaster. It was yeah. to try to improve my skills at work. At the same time, I was doing other things to become a professional engineer at PE. Um, I was doing a lot of other things. This was just mm -hmm. one part of it. Um, but being around other people that are trying to do the same like-minded things that you're doing is extremely helpful in being yeah. successful in your habits. And so that, that environment is also key 
And if you don't have it right in front of you, go find it. Yeah. Uh, go find a, a coach. Go find some accountability partners. Uh, it doesn't have to cost you a lot, but it can. Depends on what you want to put into it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that too because I was asked on a podcast the other day, what is something that your most successful clients have in common? And my answer was they put themselves around other people who are also trying to improve their health. At it's, whatever level. That, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be the exact same goal. It doesn't have to be the same level. You just need to be around other people because here's the thing. If there's people above you, you can learn from them. And if there's and people strive, below and you strive, and strive. Yeah. And if there's people below you, you have the opportunity to actually be the mentor. You have the opportunity and you learn from teaching others. And if there's somebody that's on your same level, then you grow together and you encourage each other. So no matter where the people around you are level wise, there's opportunity for growth. Absolutely. That's perfect. That's exactly it. And again, that's why it's important to find those organizations, those teams, the accountabilities. Now you can do it at work. One of the things I used to always say about, about the work environment is it's great. You learn from your boss. What if your boss never learned it correctly? What if your boss never learned how to do whatever? I also teach delegation. And a lot of people would say, oh, I don't delegate because I'd rather do it all by myself. That way I know it's right. There's so much power into delegating appropriately, mm -hmm. whether it's at work or at home. Or when your boss doesn't delegate properly to you, how do you get it done from your position and delegate up, which is also yeah. possible. Uh, you know, so again, there's a lot of things you, you can learn at some places, but then you got to say there's some limitations. What can I do to expand this opportunity right now? You yeah. know, where do I take this next? And it's looking for other sources, whether it be a podcast to get you motivated. But again, you know, let's go back to my joke that I've been telling now for a few months. That I know you know, Steve. There are three frogs sitting on a, on a lily pad. Beautiful, sunny, wonderful afternoon. One decides to jump off. How many are left on the lily pad? I'll let the audience answer because I know the answer. So I won't. I know you do. Three. There are three <laughs> frogs on the lily pad. One decided to jump off. Doesn't mean he didn't. He just decided. He's going to take the leap and get in and get going. So I think for anything, yeah, we can all sit and say, yeah, I want to do that. Well, then do it. You know, um, one of my favorite phrases. I have a lot of friends that are from the south, and they're always fixing to go. You probably said this yourself, Stephen, right? Being, being probably just time. yesterday. <laughs> I'm fixing to go to the store. Well, stop fixing, just do it, you know? Um, and I always joke about that. But the, the idea is you have to take the step. And that's where I come from, be the next step. What is the step you think you want to do and how do you get there? Sometimes there's little pieces you have to, that you have to fill in. Sometimes it's not as big a step as you think it is if you find the right sources to help you get there. Yeah, I, you, you're, you're really just nailing it there in terms of what needs to be done. And, and I think that so many times people overlook just how easy it is to get sidetracked. Oh, yeah. there, there's, there's so many components to all this. But if you just keep it simple, if you just say, you know what, what's my vision? What are the skills that I need to develop? And then in terms of those skills, it's where do I learn them? What environment do I need to put myself in to learn those skills? And then what actions do I take? That's what it all comes back down to is that very simple framework. Say, say that one more time for me. So I, I make sure I have them down here correctly. What <laughs> was right, it so, again? So, so it's number one. 
Yep. We need an objective or a vision. Okay. Okay. Number two, once we have that, we need to decide on the skills that we need to achieve that objective. <clears throat> and toward, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of getting those skills, what environment do you need to put yourself into? And then once you are in the right environment to develop those skills, what actions do you need to take to develop them? Well, that's like you, we were just talking about the time that I was sitting in that audience and I saw those speakers and I had the objective of, I want to do that. I can go help people. A lot of people all at once, you know, and then you said I had to figure out what skills I needed. I needed to learn to speak because I was a stutterer or still had it in my head. I was a stutterer and I joined a group like Toastmasters to practice. You know, I didn't go the route that my upline told me, which was to sell a lot of product. That wasn't going to get me on the stage. That might get me closer to the stage, but that wasn't going to take care of my speaking problem. You know, that was a tool to get there, but it wasn't the only tool. And then, of course, taking action and just keep doing what I wanted to do and what I loved. So are, are you suggesting to me that you didn't want to just sell a bunch of shampoo? That's what I'm hearing here, that right. you didn't want to sell shampoo. Yeah, no, I did not want to sell shampoo. And that, you know what it was? I didn't want to sell shampoo to my friends and my family, you know? Um, but that wasn't the only thing I ever tried selling, too. I've, I've tried to sell some, some, you know, some health food supplements, and, you know, I've done that routine, too. But yeah. the reality is, is yeah, it, all of those things are good. They're helping people. You know, let's face it. Amway was the first home shopping network, if you think about it. You know, it was the first time people could order ahead of time and have it delivered to their house. You know, now we think of that as Amazon. But, you know, it really was Amway. It began with an A, but it wasn't the same A. Um, but, again, they're the same concepts. Uh, they just took them to a higher level, to a different level, to a perspective that people needed. They didn't quite know they needed it yet, but they needed it. Yep, it's true. Well, Alan, I appreciate you uh, joining us today and sharing your story with us. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you help people do and how people can get in contact with you. Excellent. I, I work with people to um, create habits, if you will, by being the next step in their life's journey. We look at the at the basic at the baseline of where they are and what their objectives are. And then how are we going to fill that in? Some days I'm not the guy to fill in all the pieces, but we at least lay out the frameworks. We can we, we can begin the process. Easiest way to reach me right now is chatwithallen.com. And that gives you an opportunity to be able to set up a one-on-one uh, Zoom conference with me. It puts you right into my calendar. We, you can pick a date when I'm available, and we can have a quick conversation about where you're starting and what your objectives are. And then shortly, you'll have my new website coming up, which I'm expecting in a couple of weeks, and that'll be at alancody.com. So again, the Be The Next Step is a process in there, but it's not the final line. The final line is what people do with those steps. You know, don't be the frog sitting on the lily pad on a beautiful day. Get in the water and swim. It's nice and warm. Check yeah. it out. There's a whole world out there. Jump in the water and go find it, right? It just, if you keep doing the same old thing, you're just going to be in the same old place. So. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we appreciate everyone who has tuned in to listen to this episode today. I hope that Alan's story has inspired you to start going out and creating your own unshakable habits. 
If you have not yet, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere where your favorite podcasts get played. And just remember that, yes, you can create unshakable habits in your life, even if you have zero willpower. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please subscribe at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about Unshakable Habits at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable, my friends.